Greetings, podcast family. Since I started the No Pants Required podcast almost one year ago, I have ensured each episode was delivered with quality and passion. I was not a fan of taking breaks or having like multiple seasons in a particular year, calendar year, fiscal year, however you want to look at it. Um, I really wanted No Pants to Require to be a continuous conversation. However, the week of September 11th through 17th, I needed a break. And so I took one. Um, it was unexpected. It was definitely unannounced. A break, which was definitely, definitely needed. So um, I would like to apologize, however, for not communicating that beforehand. But I needed a break from that as well. Like just the communications or the responses that I would have gotten to have more conversation. And so I opted for not doing anything at all. And it was a clean break. And it was definitely a break I needed, as I mentioned. So one week was good. Um, and I'm back. I do not have any intentions on making this a longer break, even though I have a lot going on in the non-podcast world. However, I am back and better than ever. No, that's funny. Definitely back this week with a very interesting conversation, I should say. Yo, 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 whether you're wearing pants or not, welcome to No Pants Required. I'm your host, X3C, and thanks for joining. Today's quickie. Points, rewards, freebies, loyalty, cashback, all of that has something in common. Stuff I love. Every time I can get points or a reward, I would do so. I'm not great at it, but I'm really getting better at it. Freebies, loyalty programs. I mean, I can talk about this for hours, about the different things I've used throughout the weeks for whatever the case is, right? It, it's 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 insane, right? I, I'll give three examples real quick. Um, I've mentioned this before, how I love Smoothie King and how I love to use their app, get a bunch of different things there. Kava, Meze, all of those apps I use. You know, you're going to pay for it with your debit card or credit card, whatever your your payment tender is. It's awesome. You just simply, you know, use the app and you gain points for just purchasing food there. And once you hit a threshold, usually there's about $100 spent with some of those organizations or a point system with others, you get free enhancements or free drinks. Other cases, T-Mobile Tuesdays give a bunch of different things. I've talked about that before as well. There are also freebies. When you think about recently, I purchased some flights um, for a trip I'm taking. And in that app, I got points that were actually used, not in real dollars, but points used to reduce the cost of the flights using that particular app. That app is called Hopper. Love it. Um, so every time I think about these programs, you know, one may think, oh, it's overwhelming. It's so many out there. I'm not thinking, no, it's not. 
take the time, five minutes or less in some cases, sign up for these free apps, programs, reward programs, loyalty programs, anything that gives you points or cash back like credit cards. Trust me, look into the cards that that really provide you with some type of benefit as opposed to just credit. Um, try your best to look for that. I, I, I think it's amazing. All right. So um, as many of you may know, as when I think about like, like discounts and sales and stuff like that, look, I don't walk through the door unless it says 40% off. If your sale is 25%, 30%, maybe even 35%, I'm not coming. It's not worth my time unless it's 40% off. Then I'm going to go, oh, wait, there's a 40% off sale. Let's go check it out. Just go check it out. <laughs> All right, but more about that in a different quickie. So I came across a story that was not only smart, but this is how we all should utilize our reward programs or our cards. Not to this extreme level, but just, but just give it a whirl. Just, just hear me out. So a taxi driver turned billionaire. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to talk about that story. But it's a taxi driver and over the course of a few decades turned billionaire. And, and this particular billionaire liked to buy art. And so instead of purchasing an art, again, with their debit card, why not use a reward card or some incentive credit card? So this individual used his Amex Black card. Using those points, with those points, sorry, not using those points, using the points gained from the purchase of the art. By the way, the art was $170 million. The amount of points that this individual gained from that one purchase now enables he and his family the ability to fly first class for free for life. That is OG level of using points, rewards, freebies, loyalty, cashback, some type of incentive program for just making a purchase you were already going to make. So obviously, um, the American Express black card was used here, but you know there's really no set there's no set limit of that card, and it it does depends on the 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 holder of the card. Um, Amex have different relationships with each card holder. It could be very unique based off of their financial uh, portfolio. So it's not necessarily something that everyone can do who have that card, but. This individual had the means in a portfolio to afford it and so was allowed to do that. And I think it's amazing and smart. So not all benefits are created equal and we get that. But um, but why pay for items with your debit card? Like I mentioned, when you can use a reward or cash back card to redeem value in return for something you've already or was already going to purchase. That is smart thinking. That is something that I inspired to be a person who is seeking maybe almost always something in return. And that's the quickie for today, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and others. So let's chat about middle class. Or the phrase 
we hear on various news outlets or social media conversations or even conversations within our homes. It's often mentioned as a collective group. But I want to break out the middle class. I really want to talk about the sum of the whole. Right? We, we say middle class is this, this, this visionary group. But what about the parts of that group? Because it's not created equally. So before we do that, though, I do want to set the stage here. Most stats that we like talk about middle class, they are usually based on household averages. And this is where it gets really weird because sometimes it's a three-person household, a four-person household, a five-person household. And depending on what publication you're looking at, it can vary greatly. Um, and then you flip that over to an individual, it can also vary greatly. So just keep in mind that a lot of a lot of times when when I'm going to talk about this uh, numbers in general, unless I specify it, I will mostly talk about household numbers. And these numbers are usually here in America where we we usually group everybody in some type of category. I don't like that, but that's what we do. That's just part of who we are. Um, it's like I mentioned, there's many different variables that go into this. And I, I also understand it depends on information and what question is being asked. So as I would tell people all the time in my professional world and sometimes in my personal life, it all depends. All right. Whatever question you ask, it depends on what you're, the information you're seeking or the story you're trying to convey. It depends. So hope that makes sense. Right. <laughs> all right. So however, we generally know that there are three subclasses in America. Poor, middle, rich. To be politically correct, I get it, right? You can't say the word poor. It's not really acceptable. Um, the term working or a lower class is mostly used when referring to those at the bottom. I like to say poor because it's it, it really hits home. And I'm doing it for emphasis, not for any other reasons. Um, but before I continue, I do want to say, as a disclaimer, I am not a financial expert. I'm just sharing information from my perspective and strategies I find successful, conversations I find interesting. So when I think about the middle class, which is what I want to focus on today in today's discussion, today's conversation, today's, I don't have another word for it. I was trying to think of something clever. Um, specifically, I really want to talk about the three subgroups. And that could be more because look, the middle class is a particularly large group of Americans. And I think it's important that we understand the different parts of the whole. So these numbers, again, like I mentioned earlier, are based on household averages. And like I said, that the averages can depend on the situation, three family, three, three family household, four family household, and so on and so forth. So there's a lower middle, a middle middle, and a upper middle that is considered middle class in America. 
and I, I do have to explain this a little bit more, but I do want to say that generally the lower middle class is around 52,000 per household. And I find that number. It, it again, it depends. It depends on a lot of different factors, but I find that number interesting because poverty in the United States is considered at or around 23,000 per household of three or 13,000 if you're single. So if someone's making less than 32,000 as a household could be considered working class, right? Your lower class. It's this class right below the lower middle class. And one would say, why do we even care about this? Well, for perspective, and I'll get there in a minute. So the middle class generally here, and this is household stats here, is roughly between 52,000 and 156,000 per household, which is around 50% of the US population. I do know that that number is a little different. And I, again, I will get to that point in a minute, but I do want to just talk about the different type of classes here within the middle class. And so if you're in the middle, middle class, <laughs> you know, that, that number in the middle, you know, you're somewhere closer to the 156,000 per household. Um, and if you if you really thinking about this, this is these numbers are interesting. I'm just gonna throw these numbers out there because I, I just find it fascinating on the numbers in general. But if you're wondering, middle class as an individual, not household, is around thirty thousand to ninety thousand. That's that's interesting. That thirty thousand is considered middle class as an individual when poverty or a single, I'm sorry, as a single individual is 13,000. Not great, 13,000, 30,000 is a big difference. But, you know, depending on where you live, 30,000 middle class is really not that much, right? And, and I'm not saying that to negatively or suggest anything about someone who is making that amount. I'm thinking about it from a perspective of where we are in America salaries we pay for some professions and and how some are not paid at all in other professions but i will not focus on that today however i want to stick it i want to stick to like just the middle class in general and so the upper class upper middle class here which is around 152,000 to 373,000 a year it's considered the upper middle class again this is household numbers not individual numbers so just in case you were wondering, having a network, network, meaning, you know, your assets that you own, you actually own them, that the bank doesn't own them, you own them, they're paid off outright, or you inherit them, however, however it happened, um, is somewhere around $2.2 million to be considered, air quote, rich. And... I do want to like think about that for a little while, like ooh, to be considered rich in this country. Yeah, I was looking at something on Twitter and it's very interesting that someone, I think someone asked the question and I think this is usually because of a number that a political candidate mentioned 
about being taxed. And that number was $400,000 a year. So if you made $400,000 a year, and this is, this could be, this is an individual now, not a household. Are you considered rich? And I think many people, to include myself, would consider someone to be rich at about $400,000 a year. But that depends. <laughs> it depends on a lot of different factors, such as where you live in the country, your lifestyle, um, but if you take it on face value, I would think that 400,000 is pretty rich to me. Also, you know, folks would, would say, well, you know, I have kids in private school or I have um, a mortgage or a car note, and these different things. Well, I would say that's your lifestyle. All of those choices you've made, you've made them based on a lifestyle or a or some other factor. But if you take it just at the base value 400,000 I think you kind of sort of are you know a little bit rich but you know there are other factors that could come to play in that as well and that depends on location and so I do find it very interesting when we talk about like location there's a lot to that you know that we have to consider um you know in DC is 400,000 considered rich one may say no <laughs> in New York one may say Hell no. But Ohio, maybe yes. Louisiana, where I'm from, I would say hell yes. Um, I would consider, you know, someone or myself or whoever, an individual making 400000 a year and living in those one of those places or Louisiana where I grew up, definitely. It's all a matter of opinion, to be honest with you, because there's really no barometer to determine that number uh, of rich just just i'm sorry of, of wealthy it's just when you consider someone to be rich you know 2.2 million is the the generally accepted number um but what i really want to talk about today is is the fact that not all middle class is created equally that's really what i want to get at because i think regionally there are issues in the in this country um that they have different isolations and so if you're in the South, it may be different from if you're in the West, right? Or even within a state, right? And so someone living in the state of Maryland, you know, middle class may be different from Western Maryland to Eastern Maryland, right? Uh, and, 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 and I think it's just all important that we, the reason why I'm bringing this up is that we don't group everyone into a group collectively across the country and expect all issues to be addressed the same or felt the same. That is why I'm bringing it up, right? When people have economic down, well, sorry, when we in the country or globally have economic downturns or a recession, it's not fully affected the same. Location matters. And so if you are in different parts of the country, there are different opportunities that are different based on your location. And and I'll give this story. I haven't really told this story to many, but I'll tell some of the story. Um, when I graduated from undergraduate with a degree in computer information systems, I had several interviews with a few oil companies, Shell to be one of them, um, and a few other companies. I think Lockheed Martin, um, it was a different company in Houston, Texas. I interviewed with Orlando, Dallas, Fort Worth, 
has several interviews in the the IT air quote arena, software application, software development, coding. You know, I really was thinking that's where I wanted to go with my career, and it got to a point where I wasn't really sure if I wanted to do that. And I did all those interviews, and it was a great experience. And I was still in college, and so coming out of college, I went to Dallas for about two weeks, right after right after graduation. And I had a few interviews there, and I considered maybe I can become a teacher there. And I, I really was pushing myself to 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 become a teacher. And so I interviewed in Dallas, Texas, and I also had an interview in New Orleans um, to become a teacher. And the story was written, and I accepted a job offer to teach in the New Orleans public schools. And won't lie to you, I got the contract in the mail after agreeing to the job. And I opened the mail, excited, and the salary was 22000 a year. Now, this is some time ago. <laughs> Back in, what year was this? This was probably 20, 2001. So about twenty. One wow, twenty one twenty one years ago, the contract for twenty two thousand a year. I no kidding, shed tears, not a tear, tears. I repeated to myself, I went to college for this. This is what I went to college for. I I literally was mad, frustrated that my what I thought would have been a more lucrative career coming out of college didn't initially start that way and so but I was considered at that time middle class as an individual at 22,000 a year I can pay back my damn student loans with that or pay for an apartment or a new car that I actually had like it was choices obviously my own but the story I'm telling here is that not all middle class is created equally, right? And flip that around to today. Looking at individuals on social media, my friends who are doing really well at a younger age than I am. And at some point, I was actually unknowingly competing with these individuals. Not because it was a competition, but because wow, I'm a little older than some of my friends who are much more financially established than I am. Where's the deal? There's a lot of factors because what? It depends on how they started because we all didn't start equally. We all didn't start from the same point. And so when you think it, think of it to yourself, young guy coming out of college, first contract salary was not acceptable to me moving forward to now compare myself to others that's unacceptable no need for that right I'm on my own journey I'm on my own track and so I'm just I was just aware of that and being aware of that I started to think okay this is what's really important why is this important and so I want to talk about the middle class further when we and this is the reason why I gave those examples is because when I hear like middle class, I'm talking as discussed on the news, 
again, they usually lump all three into one category when in reality, as I mentioned, they are definitely different. Your lower middle, your middle middle and your upper middle are not created equally. Household or individually. It is important because the middle class in America, as I mentioned earlier, is the largest group with over 50%, as I mentioned, of the U.S. population. However, this is down roughly about 16% from a few decades ago, where it was in the mid-60s, 60%. That is significant. With the middle class shrinking, guess what, though? The working and rich percentages have increased. That is significant. But with the number of wealthy Americans, you know, like, like increasing, but also the working class, that category have increased because the middle class shrunk, right? And so when you think about it, you think, oh, well, obviously, the, if the middle is getting tighter, then one of these other groups are growing. Well, in fact, they both are, but the working class, it only grew by like maybe 1%. Not as much. The rich grew significantly more than the number of, of working class. So what that suggests in the data is that the wealth gap is growing. And this is important for countless of reasons, some of which to me are not good reasons. So if this trend continues over the next few decades or so, we could be faced with just two social groups, the haves and the have-nots. We've all heard those terms before, right? So look, we have seen it in many like mega movies from fictional perspective and even in our current, how we currently look at the data, you know, the data is trending in that direction that the wealthy percent of those it's growing, not the percent of the wealth for each individual, but the number of air quote wealthy individuals in America is growing. And so here's my spin on it. I know many may want me to focus or many are already focusing on the gender inequalities and the ethnicity inequalities or the ethnicity breakout of the data. I would say you can Google it for yourself. My reasons for not focusing on it is because I think in the future, it would it will not matter about those categories. Money will be the only category. In my opinion, those individuals in the, in essence, the working class won't matter what your gender or ethnicity is you'll be you won't be able to afford things access abilities to do things live in a particular location have access to resources because of the wealth or lack thereof and that to me won't matter in the future what your ethnicity or gender is now to some it may but for me i think the money and it's not a good thing it's a very sad opinion I think I have here, but with all the information available, I think it's logically 
the only negative perspective of our society, not the only, but a negative perspective of our society that is leading us into this direction of you have money or you have not. You have resources or you have not. You have access or you have not. And that will create a slew of issues to come in which I will not discuss on today's podcast, but we can in the future. What do you guys think about that? Do you agree with my take that with the shrinking of the middle class, that we're growing, going in a more of a have versus a have not society? Just look at it in your own life, where you are as an individual, where you are as a family. Not to say that you want to have more things, because I think we all do. But just take an account of where you are currently. What do you have access to that some others in your friend circle or family circle does not have or where you were 21 years ago? Do you have access to some of the same things, the same knowledge, the resources? Okay, friends. So that was a good chat today. Until next week. And I mean it this time next week. Remember, positive vibes lead to positive well, it's really positive energy, at least positive vibes. Don't forget to subscribe if this is your first time joining. No Pants Required can be found on Google Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Peace out. Mm-hmm.